today. I'm not going to start with the word. It's going to start with a story. Matter of fact, it was 2018, just a couple years ago. And the Winter Olympics were taking place in South Korea. The almost 19-mile cross-country skiathon, skiathlon actually, was just starting when Norwegian skier, if I have any Norwegian friends watching, please forgive me if I say his name wrong. I'm not Norwegian, but Simon Hegstad Kruger. I, I don't know, that just sounded cool to add that, but Simon Hegstad Kruger. He got his legs and his skis locked up with two Russian competitors in the Olympics. And he immediately found himself face down in the snow with two of those competitors laying on top of him. After years and years of training for Hegstad Kruger, this was not how he wanted to start the Olympic race. He figured his lifelong hopes of Olympic gold, he trained his whole life for this moment, and he fell on his face with people on top of him. So now in his mind, his Olympic dreams of gold medal, they were gone. All of the hard work, the journey, it was gone. But Hegstead Kruger, he decided something, face down in the snow, he decided to get back up. He grabbed his broken ski pole and continued on, hoping to finish the 19-mile race that he had left. Starting from the rear, Kruger passed 63 other skiers, he actually took the lead and he ended up winning the gold medal after falling face down in the snow at the Olympics and he did not give up and he took the gold medal. And so this morning, I want to preach on this simple topic, get back up, get back up. Would you pray with me? God, oh, your word is so alive and powerful, God, but Lord, we're relying on technological devices and, and internet and live stream platforms and social media. So God, I pray, let everything just be touched today, that there's no lag in camera on audio, that people would receive this message, that you would speak through my mind and my heart and my mouth to the audience that is tuning in and let us receive today what it is you want us to receive in the name of Jesus. How many times have you planned something? I like, I like interaction. I'm, I'm sorry if, you're, if you expected you were going to just sit down in your couch and just stare at this screen. Please don't do that. Interact. I like that. I, like, I read these comments later. Of course, I don't read them now. If I read them right now, I'd be very distracted. But, but how many of you uh, have you ever planned something? How many of you are planners? Just type, I'm a planner. Type, I'm a planner. If you're a planner. I don't want to hear from you last minute, see to the pants people that just throw it together. Don't, I don't want to hear from you. That's not me. I want to hear from my planners. I'm a planner. I'm a planner. Write that down. Type that out. And how many of you that are planners get really irritated when your plan doesn't work the way you planned it? Come on, just let me know. I'm that guy. 
I try to go with the flow. I've gotten better with age. I think my wife would attest to that. I've gotten better with age. I've never been mistaken for an easygoing person, ever. And I don't probably, I probably never, I probably never will be, but I've gotten better. But when we were first dating, we went to Bible college. We met at Christian Life College, Stockton, California. And uh, San Francisco is about an hour and 20 minutes from there. My wife has no clue what I'm preaching when I get up here. And so she knows now probably where the story is going. But I was like, Mr. Romantic, going to try. I got a picnic basket. I got food. I'm going to take her to San Francisco. I went to the office. We were at the Bible college. They had strict rules. I got permission to go on a date with her. If my father-in-law is watching, I got permission. I want you to know that. And so we got permission. And so I'm like, I'm going to find a nice, quiet area in San Francisco. Now, if you've been to San Francisco, you know that that's an oxymoron, what I just said right there. Just that sentence, a nice, quiet place in San Francisco. If you know San Francisco like the back of your hand, you probably know where those places are. I did not know that. Okay, so I ventured out, and I said, I'm, I got the plan. I'm, we're going to go have a date, and now we're going to go find a nice place. Oh, how romantic. And so I literally parked, and I searched parks in San Francisco. you got to remember, you didn't have, okay, I'm dating myself, but you couldn't just Google stuff. You couldn't, you, you couldn't just throw it up on your phone, and it just takes you wherever, and you had maps on your phone like, it was still MapQuest days, you know, like, it, it, yeah, a little bit old. But, <clears throat> so we go out, and I stop, and we start looking around. And I got my blanket and my picnic basket, and she's like, where are we going? And I'm like, oh, it's going to be good. Where are we going? Just, hey, it's going to be good. So we get in the car, we drive to the next place. It's going to be good. Do, honey, do you, do you have a plan? Uh, Yes. I have a plan, but I don't know the details of the plan. So I'm looking around. Finally, we settled in this park. I could not, I could not find a nice place where we could have a picnic by ourselves. So we sat in this big courtyard area in San Francisco, and there's like a tower by us. So we tried to get a, as far from the crowd as we can, laid out our picnic stuff. And at this point, I am irritated. My wife's like, or my, well, my girlfriend at that point, she says, well, just let's just have a nice time. But I'm, I'm sorry. I wasn't good at letting go yet. I was still frustrated that my plan didn't work. So as soon as we sit down, we put out our food. And I'm like, Jesus, bless the food to our bodies. You know, I'm just praying. And all of a sudden, and a tour bus walks up with a whole bus full of, of Asian descent, Asian people. And they get out with their cameras. And they literally stand around our picnic and begin to take pictures of the park and of the tower that's right behind us. Not only did I not get the chance to have a, an alone lunch with her, my wife and I's faces are hanging on, on pictures in Asian living rooms in, in another, another continent, and we're in photo books of Asian tourists somewhere in the world. I was frustrated. But you know what? How many of you can relate to that? You, you Sometimes you try and you work on something, you plan something, you kind of have this whole vision of the way that you want it to go, but then it doesn't work out. We hope for the best and less than the best transpires. We train for the Olympics, but then we fall flat on our face in the snow. The world loves stories like this skier because... We can all relate to that story. Now, you might say, how do I relate? My goodness, I ain't no Olympic athlete, and there ain't no way I'm ever going to be an Olympic athlete. Yeah, but 
but we've fallen flat on our face before. We have gone face first into the ground, maybe not literally, maybe some of you it is literally, but figuratively where we say, oh, the Bible even refers to our journey as a race, and that's why it talks about pressing on and enduring. 19 miles is a long race. Again, interacting. If you're watching online, have you ever ran? Tell me if you've done 19 miles, biking, swimming, running, something. Tell me. Say, I biked 19 miles. I ran 19 miles. I, I, I walked 19 miles. Whatever it is, okay? For me, I drove 19 miles. Okay? Drove 19 miles. I, I, but have you ever swam, biked, skied, ran? That's a long race. One that takes training. One that takes endurance. One that, hear me, leaves time for you that if you fall, you can get back in the race. The Old Testament prophet Micah said this. He said, rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall... I shall arise. When I sit in the darkness, the Lord will be a light unto me. I want you to see something, because no doubt you may have heard that verse before. But I want you to see something maybe you've never seen before. It does not say, if I fall. That passage does not say, if I fall. That passage says, when I fall, I shall arise. Man, that seems kind of negative to start on this journey and say, I know I'm going to fall. I'm not, I know it. Why? Because in our humanity, when we walk with God, there's going to be times that, you know what? If you expect me to be perfect or yourself to be perfect from this moment till, till the Lord comes back for his church, let's just face it, that most likely, that's not going to happen. There's going to be some times along this journey that you're walking thinking, man, I'm coasting. I'm going with God. And whoop, boom. And down you go. No matter how long you've trained, no matter how what your dreams are, no matter what your past is, no matter where the, what you envision at the finish line, time, there will be times when you fall, times when your skis get wrapped up in another competitor's, times when you fall flat on your face, times when you're embarrassed, times when you think your dreams are dead and gone. But get this, we accidentally fall. He didn't, he, didn't, he, he didn't purposely fall. That skier, he accidentally fall. The skis got wrapped up. I don't know a lot of Christians that say, oh, I was walking, you know what? I just, I, I saw the concrete there, and I just wanted to do like a slip and slide. I just wanted to see what it felt like to face plant. I wanted to get a running start and just go, <laughs> and hear the concrete rip the skin off my body. I wanted to do that. I wanted to see what I would look like with battle scars down the front of my nose. We don't fall on purpose. We fall on accident. But we don't get up on accident. We don't accidentally get up. Because when you do fall and you're laying face down on the ground, 
There comes a point where a decision has to be made that says, I'm embarrassed. I'm hurting. This isn't what I expected to happen. But I'm laying on the ground. My face is down, and I have a decision to make. Am I going to stay here, face down in the ground, and lick my wounds and say, oh, I just thought I would have made it. I thought I would have done better. I had different visions for the way that this was going to go. But no, at some point, I have to muster up the energy. And even though I might be in pain. I got to get back up. I got to get back up and I got to push myself up like this. See my kids, my youngest four-year-old son, he just started riding without training wheels. If he's watching Titus, I love you, bud. And he's watching and, and he started riding without training wheels and the kid's a natural. He just jumped on and started riding all over the place. But even though as good as he is, he's still wiped out just a couple times. He's got some skinned knees and skin, skinned elbows and he's hit his head and he's got a knot on his head. And I'm sitting there going, oh my word. And then I caught him the other day. He went down a hill. And I said, Titus, I don't think you want to go down that hill. It's pretty big. And he went down anyway. And sure enough, he lost control and he wiped out and slammed himself face down right into the grass. And he started crying. And without thinking, I ran down. I said, Titus, why'd you go down such a big hill? And he goes, he looked at me through his tears. He said, Daddy, I thought I could make it. And instantly when he said that, I realized that my response needed to be careful right there. I looked at him and I said, oh, son, I said, you can make it. And you will make it. Get back up. And just within 24 hours, Titus went down that big hill again, and he conquered it. He didn't fall. But you know what? Sometimes in our humanity, we see the hill, and we wipe out, and we see I'm on the ground. And you know, other people around you did what I almost started to do there. Why'd you go down a big hill? The hill's too big for you. You can't make it down that hill. And so he just stayed dejected on the ground, face down, and say, I guess I wasn't made for big hills. But there needs to be a little bit of fight like a four-year-old has that says, give me my bike. I'm going up the hill again. And if I fall, at some point, I'm going to ride down that hill and I'm going to conquer that hill. Because we get back up, it takes an intentional decision. And you won't always have a crowd around you saying, you can do it. Go get them. You're awesome. You're going to do it. At some point when you walk with God, you're going to fall down. And people say, see, I knew it. Look at you. Thought your church was good. Thought you were spirit-filled. Thought you had the word. Thought you were better than me. huh? And you can look up and you can say, yeah, I guess maybe I don't belong there. Or you can say, you know what? Rejoice not against me, oh my enemy. For I, when I fall, I will arise. I will not lay on the ground. I will not stay down. I will make an intentional decision to get the snow off of my face and get back in the race. Hey, that rhymes. Get the snow off your face and get back in the race. Micah said, rejoice not against me. I might get knocked down, but I'm not knocked out. Face it today. When you're laying on the ground, it seems like everything has worked in vain at times. That is disheartening. That is discouraging because I could end the message right there and say, so get back up. Woo! But let's be realistic. When you're laying on the ground and your knees are skinned and your face is bloody, there's snow on your face. It seems like you're out of the race. That's discouraging, disheartening, depressing. And so we all very much can, re we can relate to the Psalm of David, the 69th Psalm. He writes, save me, O God. For the floodwaters are up to my neck. Deeper and deeper I sink into the mire. I can't, be, I can't find a foothold. I'm in deep water. The floods overwhelm me. I am exhausted from crying for help. My throat is parched. 
My eyes are swollen with weeping, waiting for God to help me. Come on, someone. Let's not just interact about funny things. If you're online and you've ever been here or you're here now, why don't you, why don't you, why don't you say it? Why don't you comment? Say, I've been there before. Maybe, maybe if you really are willing to be open, say, I'm there right now. Ain't nobody going to judge you. We've all been there before. Come on, comment online. You ever been there? You, ever, you there right now? My God, I don't know what to do. My throat, I'm crying out, my throat hurts, so my eyes are swollen because I've been sitting here weeping, crying out. I'm wondering where you are, God. I'm wondering, I'm wondering where you are. When are you going to show up? In this individual psalm, David expresses vulnerability. That's why some of you that are feeling you won't, you don't want to comment online. And that feels weird to comment because why? Because if I comment online, that expresses vulnerability. Thank God that God values vulnerability. Notice he says, David's a man after my own heart. I think that's one of the characteristics that made him a man after God's own heart. Because when it was time to worship, he worshiped with everything he had. When it was time to weep, he wept. When Absalom got killed, I was just reading this morning. When Absalom got killed, he didn't try and hide it. He began to cry out about his son Absalom. He, he, didn't, he wore his emotions on his sleeve. He didn't, he didn't care if he looked vulnerable. Thank God the Bible shares vulnerable moments with us so we don't have to act fake. David says, I'm sitting around, my eyes are so swollen, my humiliation, my overwhelming pain, I'm drowned and I'm just trying to survive. You want to talk about down? He was there. The question is not going to be whether or not you're ever going to get down. All, we're all, every human being, I don't care who it is, there's no human being with warm blood flowing through their veins from any culture that has ever gone their whole life without having a down day. We will all be there at times, and that's why the Bible says, when I fall, not if. So the question becomes, what will you do when you fall? Let's not talk about if you fall. Let's talk about when you, what will you do when you trip up? Think about this. A man named Job, he lived around the time of Abraham. He was wealthy, healthy, successful. His family lived by him. They appeared to have a great relationship. He seemed to have it all. But then he has basically the worst day in human history. Look at this. I know you hear about Job, but just put it in perspective. One thirteen says, one day Job's sons and daughters are feasting at the oldest brother's house. I mean, imagine, Sunday afternoon gathering. Oh, yeah, we get together, we have lunch. A messenger arrives at Job's home and says, hey, oxen were plowing, the donkeys were feeding beside him. When the Sabians raided us, they stole the animals, killed the farmhands. I'm the only one to left to tell you. While he was still speaking, it's not like over the course of 24 hours. Another messenger arrived. Hey, fire of God's fallen from heaven. It burned up your sheep, the shepherds. I'm the only one escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, a third messenger arrived. At this point, I'd be like, dude, just go. I don't even want to hear what you have to say. Three bands of Chaldean riders, raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. See, Chiefs fans, you can never trust a raider fan, see? That was not planned. That was inspired. Raiders came and 
your camels and killed your servants, and I'm the only one who escaped to tell you while he was yet speaking. Another messenger says, your sons and daughters were feasting in the oldest brother's home. Suddenly a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness, hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed on your kids, and they're all dead. Um, what do you even say at that point? I have had some bad days. But trying to find a romantic spot for a picnic in San Francisco and getting pictures by Asian tourists is not anything near this. It appears Job falls flat on his face. He loses everything. Not just in one day, but in one, it's like one long run-on sentence. But Job says, he stood up, stood up. I wonder where he was as he heard this message. I wonder where he was. Was he just sitting down? Or was he already laying on the ground weeping from what he just heard? And he stood up. He rose. He made an intentional decision at a time of despair. When he apparently was laying face down on the ground. And he says, I got to decide what I'm going to do right now. This is the most painful moment, not only of my life, but probably any human life in the whole history of mankind, humankind. He says, I got to stand up, and I got to make a choice. He shaved his head, fell to the ground to worship. He just stood up and fell back down. But notice, this time it was going back down with a different intention. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. <laughs> and then there's people like me that are frustrated that I can't find a private picnic spot. Man. He said, I'm on the ground, but I need to. If I'm going to go back to the ground, it needs to be for one purpose. I'm going to worship God through it. Do we offer our worship because of who God is, or do we offer our worship based on how the situation is going on that day? This morning, did you worship God on a Sunday morning in your house, or are you waiting to get back into the building? Because if you're waiting to get back and express your worship here, is it really even worship? I mean, I know it sounds cliche, but is God only worthy of a hand clap, standing, raising our hands, raising our voice? Is he only worthy when we're gathered together on Sunday? Because that's not worship. Our worship cannot be based on the day, the circumstance, who's there. The book of Job takes us on a long journey of up and downs. Job questions God. He battles with why, but he never turns from God. And at the end of the story, he gets double of everything he had. But check out how the book of Job ends. I've never really seen this. 42.16, the, the book ends here. Job lived 140 years after that, living to see four generations of his children and grandchildren. Then he died, an old man who had lived a long, full life. You know what that tells me very clearly? No matter what trial you're in, 
no matter what you're going through right now, what emptiness, anxiety, frustration, sickness, fear, whatever you're going through, look at Job's end of the, the book and know this. There is life after the trial. There is life after your trial. I know when Job was initially in faith, oh God, I just lost everything. You do not think about the fact that there's life after that moment. You think, I want to die right here. I'm going to die. I don't know what else to do right now. You might be there, but no, if you can get yourself back up and begin to say, God, you gave me everything I have, and you might take it away, but blessed be your name, O oh Lord. I know there might be times I'll ask why. There might be times I'm going to be frustrated. But I will never, ever turn away from you, God. I will serve you as long as I am alive and you choose to put breath in my body. God, I will worship you. Because if you stick with God, if you refuse to stay down on the ground, you will find that you are still in the race. In Genesis, even after a worldwide flood took place, Noah and his family lost all their friends and acquaintances. The whole earth was destroyed. Can you imagine that? Put yourself in that. We think a stay-at-home order is lonely. Noah had a stay-on-the-boat order. And when he came out of his order, the whole world, the whole earth was dead and gone. But Genesis 9.28 says Noah lived after the flood 350 more years. There's life after your flood. Get up. Keep going. Don't just know there's a long life after this trial. You might be going through it. There's a long life after this. And as Noah and his family came off the ark, God makes a covenant with Noah in Genesis 80. So Noah, it says his wife, his sons, and their wives, they left the boat. And all of the large and small animals, birds came out pair by pair. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and he sacrificed burnt offerings. And the animals and birds had been approved for that purpose. And the Lord was pleased with the aroma of the sacrifices and said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of the human race, even though... Everything they think or imagine is bent toward evil from childhood. I will never again destroy all living things. As long as the earth remains, there will be planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. Now, why did I just read that? Because we always, when we preach this, we talk about the covenant. We talk about the nation, the rainbow, the commitment, the curse, the sacrifice, the offering. But what about that very last verse? Right after God says, I will never destroy everybody again. It won't happen. He immediately lets us know, I'm the one who is in control. I control the elements. I control your lives. And, and I've made a decision that I will never destroy anyone, uh, everyone again. But notice what it says in verse 22. It comes to an end and God simply says, as long as the earth remains, there will be planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. And as I bring this message to a close, I want you to know that God is in control. Total destruction will never happen again. God promises us that. But look what else he promises. He says, I'm not going to do that. Total destruction never is going to happen again. But let me tell you something. There are going to be seasons in your life. 
There are going to be times when you're we're sweating and digging and you're planting. But then there are going to be times that you're coming out and you're grabbing the harvest that's there. There are times when you're going to be freezing cold. And there are times when you're going to be hot. There are times where you're going to be living in summer. Times where you're going to be living in winter. Times when the sun is shining bright. And times when you're going through the darkness in the night. But he says, you know what? In all those seasons, I won't ever let you be destroyed. In all of those changes and circumstances you're going to go through, yes, there's life after the flood. But know that there's going to be some dark nights and there's going to be some bright night days. There's going to be some times where you're working and planting. There's going to be some times where you're harvesting. Let this work for the church too. We've been planting for several uh, years and even decades. And God's getting ready to reap the harvest. We're getting ready to reap the harvest. We're getting ready to see some things happen at Refuge Church and through Refuge Church that is going to have a global impact. Know that right where you are, your ministry is going to have a global impact. But know that a lot of this is it's predicated by when you go through the nighttime, can you hold on till the morning comes? And when you go through the freezing cold, can you can you hold on till it's summer again? Listen, Ecclesiastes tells us about the seasons of life, and I close with this. Ecclesiastes 3:1. It says, We people read this at funerals. People read this at marriages. People read this wherever they feel like reading it. They'll twist it however the way they want. But it says, for everything, there's a reason. There's a season, I'm sorry, a, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to harvest, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build up, a time to cry, a time to laugh, a time to grieve, a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, a time to turn away. Right now we're at a time to turn away. Looking forward to the time of, of embracing again, but right now it's a time to turn away. A time to search and a time to quit searching. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be quiet and a time to speak. I'm still learning. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. For those of you who are not counting, that's a total of 28 different seasons of life. 28. And life is filled with a lot of change. A lot of ups and downs. But guess what? There are people in your life right now that are going through this. They're trying to wonder, where is God? What is God doing? That's why I say share this message. Share this message on social, social media. Send someone a YouTube link. I'm not saying that to try and increase visibility for our church. I'm saying this because I really know that someone will watch this message and it's going to speak to them. But of all these 28 seasons, a time for this, a time for that, a time for this, a time for that, a time for this, a time for that, a time for this, a time for that. Out of all of those 20, you know which season is never listed, not one time? A time to quit. There is never, ever, ever going to be a time in your life to quit. Oh, there's going to be time for crying. There'll be a time for laughing. There'll be a time for planting, time for harvest. There's going to be day. There's going to be night. There's going to be all of these different things. 
But there will never be a time for you to quit. So I tell you today, hold on. And don't just hold on. Get up. Keep going. Never stop. Don't give up. So what? You fell on your face. You messed up. You sinned against God. I'm not belittling that, but God's the one that says, if you confess your sins, I am faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He's the one that says, come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy. I'm not belittling when you sin against God. I'm not belittling when I sin against God. But God is the one that says, you fell. Get up. Get up. Get up. Come on. Come on. Come into my presence. Come on. You fell on your face. Your face is covered in snow. I know you're discouraged. I know it's frustrating. You might be embarrassed. But we're on a long journey. It doesn't end with that fall. You can still win. You can still win. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. There's The race isn't to the swift. It's to those who endure. So don't stop now. Get back in it. Get back on the journey. If you're laying face down on the ground, push yourself up. And make yourself get up on one knee. You might be bloody. You might be dirty. You might be embarrassed. You might be frustrated. You might be living in anxiety. But if you could just get yourself up and say, my God, I'm back in the race. God, I messed up. God, I fell. God, I failed. God, my face was down in the snow. But I'm, it's time for me to brush myself off. The hill was big. I wiped out the first time I tried it. But where's my bike? I'm ready to try again. I'm going to get back on that hill, God, because I know that this journey is long. And it's not based on just a quick sprint. I know that I can get back in it. I know that I can win because I'm in your side, Jesus. Oh, I'm speaking to someone right now. Just begin to raise your hands. Maybe bow down. And you know what? Job, he stood up, but then he bowed back down. If you've already stood up, maybe it's time to say, now it's time to go back to the ground and worship. Now it's time to go back and say, God, I'm in the middle of a trial. I'm in the middle of the trial. I'm anxious. I'm frustrated. I don't know where you are. I've cried so many tears. My eyes are swollen. But my God, I know that you are the one who's in control. I'm on this journey with you, so I refuse to quit. I'm not going to stay on the ground. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to get back in this because God, you've been too good to me. You brought me too far. I know there's life after the flood. There's life after the loss. There's life after this, God. And so Jesus, I want to worship you right now. Let this word encourage you today. Receive this word today. Share this word with somebody today. It's not the end. It's not the end. There's life still ahead. Because I'm great, not because I'm strong, I just held on. 
Oh. 